to Colin Bradley Artcast with Colin Bradley and Stephen Bradley. Hello and welcome to Colin Bradley Artcast. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. We're back with a live stream. If you're on YouTube, hello, welcome. We're live. And if you're watching the replay back or listening back through iTunes, then hello. It's been two weeks already. We're back with another podcast. Four questions today on my list. And the main subject that we're going to be talking about in our last question is base colours. That's going to please everybody. Yes, we've spoken about base colours a lot in previous podcasts, but I thought if we really use that as the meat of this podcast, then we can direct people in future to the information that we're going to talk about in this show. I don't think you can mention this too many times, Steve. And also, interestingly enough, I'm doing a picture at the moment, which we can talk about later, where I've, I've changed the the um technique yet again you know um i mean it's basically similar to what we've been using but i've kind of used different different base colors as you all hear and so it's worth bringing it up every now and again because things move forward yeah and, you know in six months time i could have another slant on it so I really this is really important because mm. everybody out there knows the importance of those base colors Mm. Now, you might be wondering that it's probably something best described with imagery and pictures. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, so we're going to try some theory really on this podcast and give some theory out on the base colors used. Yep. You know. um, but um, obviously, if you want to see examples of base colors being used, then our membership is the best place for that mm. uh, to find the subjects that are similar to ones that you're doing and uh, to see what base colours you used at for, for those pictures. Obviously, there you're going to get the best visual aid That's right. possible. And, and members will always get the, the up-to-date information too. You know, anything we're doing, they get the first to know about it all. Mm. And we give clips on YouTube, but they are, um, they are just clips. They don't cover the whole thing, where very often you need a whole project yeah. to understand it fully. Hmm. Um, so anyway, um, before we dive in, I'm going to shut the window because <laughs> there's a, you know, did I mention like weeks ago that there's work going on next yes. door? They're yes. still doing work next door. Oh, they, I think they're gutting the place next door and just completely redoing everything. So fortunately, there's no workman noise this week that I have to worry about muting the microphone at the moment. <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> um, but now I do have to shut the window because they've got music playing as well. So oh, bear with me. Cover for a couple of minutes, Dad. Okay, I will do. One of the interesting things I can tell you about is the when we do this broadcast, it's effectively live. Now, I know some of you will be listening to this live, but the vast majority of people won't. It'll be recorded. However, as far as we're concerned, this end, it's a live broadcast. And just before we go on air, we have a little chat, Steve and I, and then Steve says to me, ah, okay, we're ready to go. Are you ready? And I say, yes. Now, up in the corner of my computer, I've got a little button, a little uh, icon that goes from black to orange, which means it's live. And you always <laughs> imagine, you know, if you were in the studio, when you get the, the light go on and it's live. Yeah. I mean, for us, it's not so much of a problem, but you imagine the actors and the singers and all the other people, when they're doing a live broadcast, it must put the frights up them. 
Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, like sort of, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change, and you're looking at it, and suddenly it goes orange, and we're live to the world. <laughs> I just thought I'd mention that and throw that in. Have you closed yeah. the window now? I have closed the window oh, now, yeah. Oh, yeah. I closed it a, few, a while ago, but I was just listening to you. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. It is a bit nerve-wracking. It's a bit nerve-wracking. Um, okay, let's get cracking with these questions. The first one uh, comes from Jill. This is um, something that she actually just wanted to mention to us, and I think it's a really good discussion point. Um, Jill says, can I mention something that new members might be interested in? I'm only on my second pastel painting and both times I felt like giving up after half an hour as I just felt I couldn't do it. But you two have given me the confidence to push through that wall. I stuck with it and all of a sudden it just takes shape and then you think, wow. I just kept looking at it and listening to your podcasts and watching the video clips, concentrating on certain areas at a time and it worked. Like Colin said in the podcast, you improve after every painting and you look forward to number 10 and then number 20. Take care, Jill. Mm, that's excellent. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm sure every single member and every single person listening to this would relate to it. I certainly did. And when you first start out as an amateur artist and, and just playing around, there's no pressure on you. You can, you know, if you make a mistake, okay. But suddenly you get to a point where you start to take it seriously. I now want to do a project. So you, you begin. Now, when you begin, the first third of a picture usually is an experimental side. You're experimenting all the time. You're experimenting your base colors. You're experimenting with your your tones and uh, your lines and the imagery. It's a struggle. After that third, it starts to ease off. And when you get to around about half a picture, it all starts to take shape. Now, I've mentioned many times before that I've had classes and I used to have to nurse every student over that period now they were lucky because they had me they'd come along and say oh this is not going right Colin can you tell me what's wrong and I'd say I as far as I'm concerned it's going very well all you need to do is just do this 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 and they're off and that's it no problem but when you're on your own you are on your own you can't turn to anybody and say for reassurance so this is very very difficult however the the way out of that i found the way out of that was to relax totally in what you're doing you if you're a professional artist there's a difference because you're doing it professionally and therefore there are some pressures on you to get that right especially if you're doing a project or a demonstration but when you're on your own in your own art room if you look at it and think, I don't know, it's not going right, put it down. Don't continue. Go and have a cup of tea or go and have a little walk or something. Just break away from it because I guarantee when you come back to that again, you'll see it completely differently. You see, what happens is you get into a, you get into a, a negative mode and that is a bad thing. You've got to change it from negative to positive, and you can do that by stopping. Another thing I've 
again, I've mentioned this many times before. When you're doing work late at night, always try to leave your work on a high because otherwise you'll have some sleepless nights. I've had them in the past where you worry about something. And I still do. I get to a point now, perhaps in an evening when I'm working, I say, now, that's really gone well. Now, that's the time to stop, Colin. And I put put the pencils down, go off, have a cup of tea, have a drink, whatever, you know, watch a bit of telly and break away completely from it. Because if you persevere, then, and you come unstuck, the later it goes on, the worse you can become and you can get stuck into a situation where you don't know how to get out of it. And that's worrying then. Now, all of these things, folks, it's happened to me. They've happened to Jill. They've happened to everybody, I expect. But there are ways out. And the ways out is to turn the negatives to positives. Because I guarantee what you think is possibly not going very well might well uh, be something that would change once you break away, when you go back to it. In any event, when you go back to it, sometimes you can see what the problem is easier because you've broken away. Am I making sense to you? Mm, yeah, it's I think really, you, really yeah. important because it's a psychological thing. This, it's not, it's not something people can teach you. I can tell you experiences that I've had and my members have had and my classes have had, but I can't actually be there for you. So this is something you've got to handle on your own. But there is, there mm. is a way out. Mm, that's a really good, really good advice. I think that's really going to uh, comfort a lot of people, actually, that are just starting out. it will, yeah. I wish I'd been told it when I was starting out. I tell you, no one told me anything like that. I had to fight along on my own. Mm. No, lovely. Thanks, Jill, for that. And, um, yeah, that's great, great piece of advice, Dad. Um, the next question we have comes from Rod, and Rod says, um, even if I have a light graphite pencil line, the Faber-Castell pastel pencil seems to want to resist the area where the graphite line is. I expect you would tell me to lighten my pencil lines, but I thought I'd ask in case you had a secret solution, i.e. another type of graphite perhaps. Mm. Um, I'm not using your recommended paper yet, which might be a factor. Um, I might be saturating it somewhat and losing the tooth. I'd be interested in hearing your wisdom. Mm. Well, without um, you know being there, I can't really answer it uh, perhaps satisfactory but what i can tell you is that it doesn't happen to me now the reason it doesn't happen to me because i use either uh, an hb or a 2b sometimes pencil but hb is my favorite i also use an f now I can't buy f's uh, very easily in the art stores but they are around now this, this they're is in the, our art shop as well yeah that's right you can buy them through us <laughs> yeah but but so f downwards so F, H, B, H, B, 2. Don't go to any uh, any further down. You don't need to. And those, those pencils don't leave the residue that B upwards do. You know, B, 2B, 3B, 4B. The worst, the worst is when you get into the 4B or the 6B. They're very soft. And that graphite stays on the paper and it will smudge. Now, what happens then if you put pastel pencil across something like that? It will mix with it. It it it, uh, it won't do that 
on the harder pencils. If you do that with the HB and you, you don't press too hard, you know, and you keep it light. You know, when I do pictures, and people see me doing this, when I've got my pastel paper and I've um, got my line drawing, which would be a very light, and I transfer with the graphite carbon, you know, the uh, uh, trace down, mm-hmm. um, I have a very light carbon line. It's, it is very light. And then I draw uh, again over the top. And people have seen me do this. I actually draw over the top with either an HB or an F, usually. They're my two favorites. And I keep the pencil light. Now, when I go to put my pastel across that, again, if it's a darker color or a strong color, I don't bother with it because it will cover. However, if it's a light color, so a white or ivory, something like that, you can actually see the line through it. I rub those lines out as I go along. I don't rub them out, uh, you know, at the beginning. I only rub them out as I go along. Again, you will see me do this, folks. Mm. I'm not sure whether the YouTube viewers will be able to see it because we. this is one of those things that you've got to see the whole picture. And I, I can't predict when I'm going to be doing it. Mm. But this is something that I do. Now, that, that proves to you that what I'm doing using those pencils works, but you'd never, ever see me use a B or a 2B pencil for that purpose. I hope that answers the question. It could yeah. be the paper. Um, uh, but, and the, I do know that the Ongre paper doesn't do it. Otherwise, right. I'd have a problem, wouldn't I? And I don't know. Yeah. 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 Good. Okay. Excellent. Well, thanks for the question, Rod. It is a good question. And uh, I hope that's helped you a little bit. Um, in sorting that out. Here's from Sally. Sally asks, Colin, do you wear different glasses when doing your artwork? I wear readers and separate distance, but have been work- if I've been working on a picture for a couple of hours and then go out, my eyes are way out of focus. Has your optician recommended the best option? Uh, yes. Well, to pass the question, first of all, do I wear different glasses? Yes, I do. I have two lots of glasses. I have three lots of glasses, actually. I have my normal glasses that you see me. If you ever see a picture of me, I'm wearing, um, which is normal every day, bifocal. But it's not strong enough for me when I'm doing my artwork. So I put those to one side. And then what I do, I've got a quite a strong reading glass, which is a three and a three and a half, I think it is. It's, it's quite strong. And that I mm. use more or less all the time but i've also got another pair of glasses which i've been experimenting with which i must admit i like um which are stronger i think there are four they're they're a lot stronger than these and i use those when i'm doing very tight close-up work so i've actually got Mm. two pairs that i use when i'm doing my artwork now second half of the question is how do i get on when i put them down i don't have a problem I'm sorry about that, but I don't. I can put them off. I put my other glasses on, and I'm okay. I don't have any disorientation at all. It could be that, bear in mind, I'm doing it all the time. Every day I work at this, so it's something that maybe I've got used to. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I can't answer um, the question any more than that well, because I don't know. You're also at quite a distance from your picture sometimes because you have to be to – let the camera pick up what you're doing. Um, do you ever find that's an 
issue of how close you are to the, the paper? Uh, well, it, it can be a problem with the camera. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And very often you see my head poking in and my, <laughs> my eyebrow poking in and my head of the glasses poking in. I can't stop that because I've, if I'm looking up at the monitor, then it won't happen. But when I look down, I can't look at the monitor and the picture at the same time. So yeah. very often I find I, I catch myself um, when I see it back, because I always view my pictures back again once I've done them, the videos back. Mm. Uh, I very often think, oh, blimey, he's got his head in again. Um, <laughs> I try not to do that. And I got the camera angles to the point. But I, I, I do get quite close to the picture, I've got to say. Mm. Mm. Good. Um, but it doesn't okay. doesn't create a problem. Okay, oh, good question, Sally. I hope that's uh, that's helped. Um, so now into the main bulk of what I want to talk about in this podcast. This comes from Shirley, and this is about base colours. Um, so Shirley says, "I have an animal membership and do fine as long as I'm following your instructions. Um, but when trying to do an animal on my own, I have a hard time knowing which base colour to use: uh, white, grey, ivory, etc." How do I determine what base colour is needed? Right now, I'm working on a dog that is all white, um, a Maltese, she's put in brackets there, and uh, one that is white, the mouth, the neck, forehead, and the rest is red. Help. I just need to know how to figure out to do what base colours, uh, what base colours to do for different colours in animals. Mm. Right. Okay. Well, shall we deal with this one first? Because it's an interesting one. If you've got a white animal, then you use white as a base colour. That's pretty straightforward. However, some of the white on the animal won't be white. It will be grey and sometimes very dark. So what do you do there? If you put white on a very dark area of an animal that's white and you try then to put the dark colors on top you'll have a little bit of a wishy-washy effect now there's two ways out of that uh and it does depend on the depth of the the um it's tone okay mm. so if we're looking at it a really dark area yet it is actually white or in the animal then i would use a gray i would use either a light gray and this can be either 230 or 270, depending which uh, cool or warm color you're going for. And Or if it's very dark, I would use a mid-turn gray, so it would be 273 or 233. You have to use one of those two. Even if it's black, you still need to use those. And then, therefore, you haven't got the problem of trying to combat the very light color that's been put on first okay i hope that makes sense to you if you if it doesn't make sense look at some of my videos because that's how i do it on the video and there's lots and lots to show to to see black and white animals so that's the the white taken care of what about this red this is intriguing me white and red anyway if i've got a red picture if it's a light red let's say it's like a pinky red just off color then i would still probably still use the white as a base colour. But if it was a darker red, I'd use grey. I wouldn't use white at all. And again, this can be either 270 or 230, or it could be the the dark grey. If it's a dark red, I can't imagine it is, but if it was, then I'd use the dark grey. You know, the sort of mid-tone grey again, the uh, 233 or 
So this is how I would tackle that. But again, without actually seeing the animal, I can't totally commit myself to that. But that's a sort of a generalization as to how I would get on with that. Um, when you're starting to, when you're doing white animals, very often there's creams or other colors in it, which you've also got to add. Uh, I'd still think the, what the basic colors that I've told you about would be the ones to use because you could always put the ivories and the ochres on top of that that w- would work very well. So for white animals, that's my probably recommendation. But if we go on to other base colors, which is a whole new ball game, as I say, it's one of the most difficult things, and I'm sure everybody out there will go echo this and say, yeah, I totally agree. It's really hard. Um, when you see me do it, you think, well, yes, it's obvious. You know, you, you do need this color. But when you're on your own and you've got your own photograph, how do you determine that? Generally speaking, I use a few base colors. Like, as you pointed out, I use white, I use ivory, I use the grays quite a lot. And I use pink too. Um, 232 is used if it's a, a portrait. I tend to use that color. These are only on the light tones, light or medium tones. Once you start going darker than that, you've got to go for the darker colors. You've got to go for the stronger colors. For the very reason I mentioned white, you can't just use white under something that you're going to put eventually a very dark gray or um, paints gray on. Paints gray can be used on top of white, but it's... to be a, a changing the tone slightly but if you've got a really dark part of an animal then you wouldn't want to put um you know anything uh, too light on it because you're gonna have a struggle with it and that applies to all base colors so all base colors have got to be put on and according to the eventual color that you're looking for you know it, it, your color spectrum whether it's a light medium medium dark or dark any dark color that you have should never have a light base color on it now that's a general rule and i won't break that rule usually when i'm doing my artwork as far as colors concerned that's an impossibility i can't tell you that i can't tell you i can tell you that brown for instance you know if we're doing brown eye in an animal very often i'm doing a brown eye in the old days i used to put ochre on now i put gray on because I found the grey neutralises the brown. Otherwise, the brown looks too fierce. And that can also apply to red. I've mentioned red, didn't I? And again, grey would be a good colour for that. So think of these colours differently to what you've um, thought about them in the past. Look at your colour. If you look at the overall colour, say you've got your photograph in front of you and you look at it and you say you've you've got a horse, and he's a very, very dark chestnutty color, right? Let's just just take that picture because that's a difficult color to find. What color would you use for that? Do you use a light fawn color? Do you use an oak color? You wouldn't. You'd use a gray because what? Again, for the same reason I told you, the brown, um, the brown eye would be too fierce. That chestnut color would be too bright. It would become. You'd need. Is that it? So. And that's another way of doing 
your base colors. Look at your color. Look at look at your your eventual color, the color you're going to actually finish up with, and then say, now what is my best base color that I can use that would weaken that to a certain extent and make it uh, the colors that subsequently are going to be put on um, richer. Now, I don't know whether I've answered the question, really, because it is a difficult one. Dad, hello. Hello? Hello. Were you, were you, I, I lost connection there. Did you? Oh, dear. Did you even notice? No. <laughs> oh, God. Thank I was you. just rattling on, Steve. I was just rattling on. That is amazing, because I have been disconnected for the last few, like, five minutes. Uh, well, did you get me, though? Well, I wasn't. I thought we'd all gone, so I was ringing you, and I was ringing um, the home phone, and I got through to mum, and, and mum said you were still talking. So, <laughs> yeah, I have. Well, I'm, a I prof- have no, I'm a professional, Steve. I Things just like, don't phase me. I had no. I, I thought it was. I thought it all crashed. I was like, because my it looks like my internet went. So anyway, I was gone for five minutes. So if you answered that question, <laughs> I have, yeah. <laughs> And I think I've I've answered it really, really well. I wonder why I wasn't getting into interruptions. <laughs> I literally, I just got lost. No, I thought I must be doing a fantastic job here, Steve. Stephen's too frightened to, inter- to interrupt me. <laughs> no, I got completely, completely lost in the ether. Well, this is great, isn't it? This this is what live broadcasting's all about, folks. That is hilarious. That is hilarious. Oh, well. Everybody's going to have fun with that. I I trust that you answered that very well. Oh, I did. Oh, Oh, it's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) So I look forward to hearing it back. Um, Well, I look forward to hearing it myself now. (laughs) You might might not even notice when I went. It just went. probably don't. (laughs) Oh, my God. I thought I'd ruined it. I thought my internet connection had ruined the podcast, but clearly not. Thank you for answering that question, Dad. Oh, it's a pleasure. For covering all of that. That's good. I had to find my way back when I was lost. Uh, <laughs> somehow through all the screens. I was clicking everything and then it said resume and then I joined back in. So, And I was still talking. And you were still talking. <laughs> and I thought, does he? has he realised that I've gone and he's just carried on talking? <laughs> As it, imagine if I hadn't come back, what would you have done? Um, oh, well, then I probably would have panicked. I'd have said, oh, goodbye, it? folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm sweating here, not because it's like 30 degrees. It's uh, <laughs> because I was a bit nervous about that. Oh, good. Well, I will listen to that last five minutes back. And, oh, you yeah, um, enjoy it, Steve. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, Shirley, for the question. And I hope that that has given people... Um, I don't know if it has or not. Well, I think, sure. I think it was a really good one to give me because I was sounding off a bit. Good. And quite rightly too, because it is an extremely difficult thing. Everybody finds mm. it. I had a problem when I first started. Yeah. Those mistakes. Yeah. Now, but uh, but the, 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 what I was going to mention, and mm. uh, if you don't mind me keep going on about it, the picture I'm doing at the moment, I'm doing a, a tiger at the moment which will please everybody. And it's a beautiful tiger. And one of the things that I've found as going through this, I've changed the tones a little bit. Um, you know, you know the tiger, especially if you're looking at the uh, art class uh, picture, that beautiful prowling tiger, all the, mm. all the uh, 
black markings are black, aren't they? Well, that doesn't happen ordinarily on a tiger. You, you, you don't get solid black marks all the time. You get tones. So what I've done with this one is I've got tones going in. Some of them are just dark orange, and that some of them move from the dark orange to the black. Now, imagine if you've got a, and I'm sure everybody will be picturing this, even though I can't show them, if you've got a black line that you want to put on, so you're, you've got alongside it, then you say, okay, well, I know I've got to put an orange in or an ochre in. I'm using 186, which is the uh, terracotta. I put that in as my first stripe, okay? And then it meets about halfway down. Instead of orange surrounding it, we've got white surrounding it, right? So we've got two different tones there. So that stripe runs all the way through down it. Now, it starts off at orange, and then when it comes and hits the white on the tiger alongside it, you change to gray. I change to, uh, I'm using uh, 273. Okay, so I've started off orange, and now I'm using 273. And between the two, when you have this transition of orange and the uh, white, surround at that point you ha you have both colors mixing together right now this is the first base color right this is the the, the, the nitty-gritty bit now if you go back onto the where i started off that uh, orange i then put on the 283 which is a dark uh, rich dark rich ochre Oakery brown. That go that went on until it went down to reach the white. And when it hit the white on top of the two seven three, I hope everybody's still with me. <laughs> <laughs> I then I then used one eight one. Are you with me? So we now have got the trend we've got another base colour that's been added. Then I went back in again and put the black on. Now this time the black sometimes the black was very strong, and as it came down towards the area where we had that transition, sometimes it would continue with black, but most times it would be changed to uh, the, it would be a lighter color. So what I'm trying to say to you is I, in, in that one stripe, I can use three different base colors. Mm -hmm. and, and bear in mind, that's not, I've also got the base colors either side of that. So how, this is great fun. I mean, I find it absolutely fascinating to be able to show you. And I will show you this. Um, maybe sooner or later, I will show you the – well, you'll see it anyway. You'll see me doing it. Mm. Um, but you'll see how wonderfully well, when you use the base colors in the way that I'm telling you, it is stunning. Mm. And again – this is different. I mean, you know, you've seen me do tigers before, um, but I've never done them this way. So this is why I'm saying things progress. You know, we progress. Um, the techniques progress. Mm. And I progress with this. And one of the things also interesting while we're here, if we've got a few minutes to spare, I've also taken the tiger by the tail in this particular case because I've included the tail in it. This particular picture that I was – and I'm using two pictures again. I usually do this, don't I? I'm using two different pictures. Mm. But one of the pictures has got a tiger's tail 
that's looping round in front of him because he's, he's laying down. So you see the whole tiger and it's looping down. And I was looking at this morning and that tail is three-dimensional. It's actually coming away from the body. Now, don't ask me how it happens. I don't know how it happens, but it's actually three-dimensional. When you look at it, it looks as though the tiger's forward of the animal. It is, of course, forward of the animal, but it mm. looks it on the, on the paper. Now, how's that? Yeah. How's that working? Well, people are going to study that. <laughs> I know, and, and I hope they do. Well, I'm mentioning it, actually. I'm right at this point at the moment where I'm finished. I've done the tail, but I'm now doing the surround behind it. So I shall be making a point of mentioning this on the video. Mm. And yeah. maybe even we can get to the point, maybe we can even put it onto YouTube, this particular, this particular section, because it's fascinating yeah. me seeing how – actually, I do know how, how I've done it. Uh, so I will – I won't tell you now. You'll have to wait. <laughs> when you see the video, Good. I will explain how I've got this fantastic effect. Now, right, pastel pencils are the only medium, I think, that you can do this with. Yeah. That's a, that's a right good to finish on, isn't it? That's a lovely, exciting, yes, end well, to I'm this. Well, I'm very excited and... about it, Steve, I can tell you, and so will you be when you see it. It, it really is mm. something um, a bit special. Mm. Excellent, excellent. Well, that's uh, that's that's really good. Excellent. Well, I um, I think we better probably call it a day now, just in case yes, I get again. lost again. Yeah. <laughs> well, really, um, but if you'd lost me, that would have been even worse, wouldn't it? I, I thought it was just me on my own for a second, <laughs> <laughs> but obviously not. You better listen to obviously this back. Make sure it's uh, it's it's okay. I will. I will. I have to now. Otherwise, it won't uh, go onto YouTube as a recording. It'd be scrubbed. And all those people that have seen it would be great. Yeah. I saw it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Well, let's start, let's let's end it then. <laughs> so, um, if you've got a question for the podcast, then send them through to us. Go to colinbradleyart.com and all our details are on there, uh, including all about them and everything else you need to know. So, um, we'll see you again, or you'll hear us again in a couple of weeks. We'll do a feedback show next week. We'll be collecting uh, your artwork for that. And, um, Yes, thank you everyone for tuning in live. Um, sorry if, if it's been a bit broken, but we've got there in the end. And um, we'll see you in two weeks. So uh, thanks everyone for listening. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. Enjoy your week. <laughs> Enjoy your week. <laughs> You've been listening to Colin Bradley Artcast. Learn to draw and paint online at your own pace in your own home. For free courses and more information, visit colinbradleyart.co.uk. 